I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and prayed before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. This poem is from the prolific writer, author unknown. We will be reading from uh, Matthew chapter 26 in just a moment. But this poem is a good reminder that we often forget or don't bother to ask God into our day. We wake up ready to get after it or maybe very slow to get started. And ultimately, we just go it alone. As we continue to explore lives that listen, we look at prayer and the way that our approach to that fundamental practice in our faith shapes our relationship with God and the conversation of prayer. I tend to think of waking up as the starting point of a new day. You navigate your day, you reach that finish line, and you slip into a well-deserved time of rest and recovery. And then the alarm goes off and you start a new day. What if we flipped our way of thinking? What if the day began when you went to sleep? We begin the day with rest and we ready ourselves to join God. He begins the work of a new day while we are still sleeping. With that mindset, we don't wake up in the morning and try to tackle everything by ourselves. It's not about me. We don't ask God to accompany us or to give us what we think that we need to make it through. It's not even about we. We pause. We recognize that God is already busy working, and we seek to join him in what he is doing in this world. It's about he. We pray that his will is done on this earth rather than coming to him with requests to get our will done with a blessing from heaven. That helps us focus on our day and what he's doing. It reframes everything. God begins all things. He acts first. He speaks first. He initiates and he calls us into kingdom service. He's not waiting for an invitation to serve us. I read a suggestion this summer that prayer should be more like a transforming experience, like entering the Holy of Holies and less like a rush trip to the grocery store to grab whatever we think we need for that day. We need to desire communion with a holy God. We need to seek alignment with him, not just seeking the things that he can give us. I drew the title for today's message, Seeking His Face or Seeking His Hand, from that same book. It's titled Transforming Prayer. Seek His Face is also a phrase that we hear in Psalm 27. It says, hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. The book suggests practices like praying with an open Bible. It suggests that we first listen to the voice of God in his word, and then we respond in prayer. 
We seek God's face first, and we let it shape the way that we come before him with our praise and with our petitions. It's a call to see prayer as an act of worship. This got me thinking about my communication in my relationships and questioning how often my seeking and my knocking, not only with God, but with my friends and my family, comes only when I am in need. What value do we place on those relationships? Is it a connection where they would be happy to receive our requests because we are seeking and knocking with regularity and our primary intention is to genuinely build and honor that bond? Perhaps you've had a moment in need in your life, but you've hesitated to speak up. And then later somebody asked you, why didn't you come to me? That signifies something important. There's love there. They would have been happy to have you call on them and happy to have had you not. On the other side, sometimes our intentions are a little too self-focused. You give mom and dad a compliment and they know that an ask is coming. Maybe you write a letter or give a call to a, a grandparent because your birthday's coming up and you'd like to be on their good side when they're shopping for that gift. Or maybe you start to feel guilty because the only time you reach out to your brother-in-law is when your computer is sick and you need some technical expertise. Steve, I really do appreciate you for much more than my personal tech support. What is our primary objective when we call on God? Do we seek his hand? Is it something for ourselves? Or do we seek his face? The joy of navigating life with him and a desire to know and to serve him better. In addition to considering our mindset, it's important that we are mindful of what we are saying. If prayer comes more from a feeling of obligation and not as a holy habit, we might simply sleepwalk through that process without drawing closer to God. Imagine calling up a friend every day and having the exact same conversation at the exact same time. And what if it's a one-way conversation where we do all the talking and then we just hang up? We need to take time to listen to God by slowing down in the noise of our life and embracing some silence and some quiet moments with him. We need to focus on who he is and what he is doing. We need to recognize what we're feeling and let those emotions flow through our prayers like the authors of the Psalms. Form a deep relationship where your intentions are pure, where your objectives are selfless, and where there's a dialogue between you and God that's open and honest. Kids, if you're in the habit of saying, now I lay me down to sleep every night before you go to bed, or God is great, God is good, and we thank you for this food before you eat, please keep doing that. We need to get into a good habit of pausing and taking time to talk to God. If you're not already, I encourage you to add to that maybe some thank yous where you get specific about the things that are going on in your day. One of my all-time favorite prayers is when we stop to pray before lunch and my cousin thanked God that the cat yawned so big that we could see right down into his mouth. I think God smiled at that prayer. There was no monotony. There was an honesty and a joy in what he had shared there. Thank God for the gifts that he has given you, recognizing the non-material things. The Heidelberg Catechism says prayer is necessary because God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing 
ask him for those gifts. The gifts of grace and the Holy Spirit. Our scripture today comes from Matthew 26. It's verses 36 to 46. And this is a moment that uh, comes right after the communion uh, model that we just celebrated. Jesus has just met with his disciples, and they are now in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. I love this passage of Jesus praying in the garden for many reasons. I love it because sometimes you feel very weary and you wonder if anyone understands your exhaustion. Maybe you're a nurse working on the front line in this time of COVID and you're just drained. Maybe you're a teacher trying to teach little faces on a screen and trying to hold their attention. It's just extremely difficult. Or maybe you're a student on the other side and you've been bounced between online and in the class and online and in the class and you find it hard to focus. Maybe you're a parent trying to navigate a number of things and just get to the end of your day exhausted. Maybe you're anxious about politics or you're anxious about the future. You're drained physically, emotionally, and mentally. And you wish just one time someone would lift that burden for you. I think Jesus gets you. He knew what was ahead of him in the garden, and he asked God about the prospect of lifting that burden. He was about to die. And not just death, a horrible death on the cross. He was about to absorb the wrath of God for my sins. He was going to the cross for your sins and the sins of the world. And that path was going to be extremely hard. The passage says his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He knew about exhaustion. He knew about pain. And in that moment, he drew close to God. He was in consistent conversation with God. We hear that in the scriptures. Before a big moment or at the end of a long day or having just emptied himself out for everyone else. He slipped away and he withdrew to pray. 
He prayed with regularity. He made it a priority. And in the most difficult of circumstances, he channeled through that communication channel that was already wide open. In the garden, he made a request, a big request. But his chief aim was that God's will and God's glory would be done. It wasn't one of those token, may your will be done, that sometimes we add to the end of our prayers. We look for that little stamp of approval, but we're already pretty sure we've got the best path figured out for ourselves. Jesus acknowledged that this was going to be hard, but he trusted in God's bigger plan. He even says in his final words, rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. He had embraced God's will and his purpose for his life as difficult as that was going to be. And he persisted asking three times, but he accepted what he was called to walk through. There's a popular verse in Jeremiah 29, and we use it often as encouragement around graduation time. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Sounds like a happy moment. But this is being said to a group of people who are struggling. And it's a good reminder that we need to draw near to God, even when there's no uh, promise that we are going to be prosperous. And there's no promise that it's going to be harmless. But we can have a hope and a future. The next two verses state, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, When you seek me with all your heart. Back to the garden. Around all of this, the weariness, the persistence, the acknowledgement that God's will supersedes all of our desires, I see someone kneeling before God, entering into real conversation and deep communion with him. As we continue to consider lives that listen, commit to entering that conversational space with God in the best moments of your day. Do it when you're alert and focused, not while you're drifting off like the disciples. We can do that because Jesus has bridged that gap between the holiness of God and our broken, sinful selves. His cup was to bear the burden of the world's sins, to step in for you and absorb the judgment of God so that today we can all stand or kneel before him and develop that relationship. We can speak to him and we can listen. Thank you, Jesus, for opening that door so wide that we can see in and we can walk right in through it to you. May we knock often, may we hear him welcome us in, and may we seek first the face and the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, it has been a rough year. There has been isolation and loss and conflict and division. Maybe we're feeling hurt and less than prosperous. Maybe our soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. May we not fight through these big things or the little things in our day without you. May we seek to align our hearts and our minds with you by studying your word and entering into prayer with you as we seek your face. May we pause, knock, and enter into communion with you, longing to know you better, 
and to worship you with all of our lives. Amen.